welcome everyone. You're listening to another episode of Do We Like Murder, a segment of the Long Overdue Podcast, a production of the Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. I'm Chris, and I'm here with Denise and Dawn. Hello. Hi. And uh, we're going to be following up on our last... We're continuing where we left off last. Yes. Maybe we should change the title of this segment to Do We Like Colts? <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe there's... Uh, do you, was there... Did you say there was murder in yours or attempted murder? There was attempted murder. Okay. For sure. But we're going to be covering that. Mm-hmm. And we'll see where that goes. So many cults, so little time. I know. I know. Denise is going to be sharing with us today. (laughs) So, I don't know if either one of you have seen Wild Wild Country on Netflix. Mm -mm. It is about the Roshnish cult that was in Oregon for a bit. Um, So, it started off in India. Bhagwan Roshnish who actually was a very accomplished person. He graduated with a bachelor's degree in philosophy. He went on to pursue his master's in philosophy. And when he graduated in 1957, he was an assistant professor of philosophy at Rapport Sanskrit College. But his radical ideas soon put him at odds with the institution, so he was forced to find work elsewhere. And he became a professor at the University of Jabalpur. So it wasn't like he was just some crazy guy off the street, uh-huh. but he got a little, he got a little, a little crazy. Um, so Rajneesh traveled throughout India, spreading his unconventional and controversial ideas about spirituality. Um, he was of the notion that sex was the first step toward achieving super consciousness. <laughs> okay, I've not yeah. heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In 1964, he started conducting meditation camps, recruiting followers. And two years later, he resigned from his professorship to focus more fully on his spiritual teachings. Hmm, it must have been very lucrative. It was. <laughs> oh my goodness. It absolutely was. <laughs> Wait until you hear how lucrative. So he became something of a pariah and earned himself the nickname the sex guru. Oh my goodness. Oh, okay. <laughs> so in 1970, he introduced a practice of dynamic meditation which he asserted enables people to experience divinity. So the prospect enticed young Westerners to come reside at his ashram in Pune, India. And he started to develop a lot of like devote disciples. They called them sannyasins. And in their quest for spiritual enlightenment, Radnish's followers took new Indian names. So, so they, he would have renamed you. Like if you were like, okay, Hi, my name is Sally from wherever, Uh USA. He'd have been like, your new name is, and then he'd give you a new name. So it was Indian. Kind of like the opposite of what a lot of um, people from other countries do is they take an American type name when they come here. But it's not given to us or (laughs) given to them. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They, um, when the cult first started, they they would dress in orange 
and then it turned into red, like red hues. So red, purples, that kind of thing. Okay. But you had to wear red. There was no any other color, really. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. Um, the group sessions sometimes involved both violence and sexual promiscuity. And he, there were so many people tried to join his uh, ashram that it became overcrowded. So he was trying to find a new place to, you know, expand. Mm-hmm. The local government was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So then in 1980, um, a Hindu fundamentalist attempted to assassinate him. <laughs> Wow, he's he was pretty big then. Yep. Hmm. And so in 1981, he fled to the United States with 2,000 of his disciples, settling on a 100-square-mile ranch in central Oregon. Wow. Yep, which he named Rancho Roshnish. There, the sannyasins and Roshnish started building their own city called the Roshnish Puram. So, apparently, and at least in Oregon, I don't know if, like, where else Mm -hmm. this is a thing. But you can start your own city if you have, like, 150 people that are, like, we're starting a city here. (laughs) (laughs) So, interesting. So, you don't have to have, like, government support or, like, a post office or, you know, like. They made their own. Oh, my goodness. Like, they had a complete infrastructure. And they did it, like, super fast. So, the thing about the sannyasins is that it wasn't just you know like some people off the street you had people with like highly educated people lawyers engineers doctors that were all a part of this Mm -hmm. so when they were going to build a city they built a city so did they follow the laws of the united states in government issues or not um i don't really know because they so they ended up in this 100 square mile ranch. Uh-huh. They completely leveled it, started building on it. They had their own airport. Woo-hoo. They had their own bank, their own post office, their own schools. Like they were they were on it. Like whatever it is that they needed to have a city, they they did it. Th- that's just reminding me of something about somebody Making their own currency? <laughs> yeah. And I can't remember what we were talking about, but I know we talked about it on a podcast. Yeah. I'm pretty I'm sure, sure we did remember. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But no, I mean, they had the, the U.S. dollar and so on. Like, they... Okay. Um, so, somewhere... Um, oh, okay. So, the next town that was, like, their neighboring town... Because, I mean, mm-hmm. they were basically... A ranch. <laughs> right. <laughs> Was called Antelope, Oregon that had 40 people in it. <laughs> okay. And those 40 people were pissed <laughs> that there was a cult ranch. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. <laughs> wow. So for the most part, at least the documentary. So the documentary was very um, supportive of what the cult was trying to do. Hmm. 
Interesting. Like, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, they were right, but they definitely gave them their own voice. Okay. So, it wasn't like they were just a bunch of crazy people. Uh-huh. So, they had Ma'anan Sheila, who was Bhagwan's secretary and, like, his second-in-command. Mm-hmm. Um, she would talk to him, and then she would go and be like, this is what Bhagwan said, because he hadn't spoken to his followers in a long time. So, she became very high up. Mm-hmm. And um, she was there, like... They were interviewing her mm-hmm. as well. And she was an adorable little lady. Really? <laughs> I was like, but I'm just like, oh, but she's also, <laughs> she's a firecracker. <laughs> um, so the way the documentary made it sound was that they were just out there doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Not bothering anybody. You know, they were building their own city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if okay. you just left them alone, they'd be fine. <laughs> Growing their own food. Like, they really didn't, like, go to Antelope for anything. Uh-huh. They they were doing it just fine. They had their own pizzeria. Like, they oh. didn't need to go nowhere. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> Did they deliver? <laughs> <laughs> On the ranch? <laughs> On the ranch. <laughs> you know, the funny, the, I think the funniest thing was that they had their own boutique, and it was all red clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So there is it. The styles change. Not the color. No. (laughs) And so, um, so yeah, the little 40 people town was not happy about it. And from the way the documentary made it sound is that whenever the Sinyansons would go into town for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. um, they were met with a lot of hostility. Okay. And um, people were, you know, threatening to shoot them if they come onto their property, that kind of thing. And it's just like, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. And really, it seemed like the main complaint the 40 people in this town had was that they were very loud in their intercourse. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, that seemed like the biggest complaint. <laughs> okay. And that they weren't Christian. That, okay. was, yeah. that was the other. Okay. Because the, none of this was, like, super religion in any kind of way. It was more about meditation and... Well, yeah, that kind of spirituality and not God of any kind. Yes. But now this is in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's not the 60s, 70s where he was before, where that was all like the free love. Mm-hmm. Oh, they definitely practiced the free love thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that, and that was So they're just continuing on with that. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was a good idea. They okay. ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> and so they became very hostile. Mm-hmm. So Sheila was like, there's only 40 people in this town. What are all these other houses? Oh, they've been abandoned and people are trying to sell them? Cool. Let's buy them. Oh, my goodness. And so they basically took over this town. Wow. Because, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like, well, all right. So they renamed the town. They renamed the streets. Like, it was their town. Wow. <laughs> Did everybody else leave? Some did. Uh-huh. Some did not. I mean, I guess some of them couldn't. Right. Yeah. But. Wow. Yeah. It was. It got a. It got a little nuts. Um. So. That happened. Um. They. At some point decided that. They kind of wanted to expand a little bit more. So they were going to get some of their cult members to run for office, like county offices. Mm-hmm. And um, 
so for elections and things like that, they found out that in Oregon, I don't know if this has been changed Mm -hmm. or not, but in Oregon, if you live in Oregon for at least 20 days, you can register to vote. Huh. So they were like, cool, cool. And so they sent out a bunch of members out into the U.S. Uh to basically go talk to a bunch of homeless people. And we're like, we'll give you a place to live. We'll give you work. Um, they in the documentary they showed several people asking, you know, like, well, what kind of place? Like, what are we talking about here? And um, one guy was like, "Are there drugs?" And they're like, "Nope, no drugs. They didn't. They didn't do drugs." Uh huh. They're like, "Is there alcohol?" And they're like, "You get two beers a day." <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, "All right, <laughs> huh?" I wonder if you don't drink those two beers if you get to keep them <laughs> it's like and yeah yeah can you just be like come up <laughs> like i'm planning a big weekend <laughs> can i just right get them all <laughs> so they bus in a whole bunch of homeless people give them a home they live there for 20 days if not more they have work <laughs> you know i mean um and then the county clerk was like you know what if you're not already registered to vote and you're going to be a new register registering voter, we're just not going to let you. Wow. Which so I'm like basically just breaking their own law. Uh-huh. And uh, the fact that it is super unconstitutional. <laughs> right. <laughs> no voting for you. For anybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. so this cult just ruined it for everyone. <laughs> So if you just turned 18 and want to register to vote, ooh, nope. Though I have a feeling that if you went in wearing a red shirt, you were told that you were not allowed to register. But if you went in wearing cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, uh-huh. you probably got to register. Yeah. And so. Now, you wouldn't have to register in that same location, though, right? You could register, like, I mean, you could mail in your registration now. Yeah, I don't know what it was like in the 80s. Interesting. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so they wouldn't let him do that. So then Sheila was like, cool, that's fine. Um, what she decided to do was send out a bunch of people in the neighboring little towns and all that and mm-hmm. Dallas and Antelope and whatnot and poisoned restaurants with salmonella. What? Yeah. Shortly before the election, so people would be too sick to go vote. Oh, my god! Good grief. So they ended up poisoning 751 people, which was the largest biological attack in the history of the U.S. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's like a huge, like, yeah, okay, I don't even know. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Um. She, the Bhagwan later on claimed that, you know, he didn't know anything about this, which who knows if he did or didn't, mm-hmm. um, honestly. But um, <laughs> Sheila, man, she um, bugged everybody in their little, their little town. So she had like thousands upon thousands of tapes mm-hmm. including she um, bugged the Bhagwan's place and all that so she had all these recordings of people um, 
one of her loyal followers attempted to murder the Bhagwan's doctor because they said that he was basically feeding the Bhagwan a bunch of drugs. Okay. Which was probably true because mm-hmm. he, you know, always claimed they had like back pain and stuff like that. So it was probably true. And it was also probably one of the reasons why he didn't come out and speak anymore. Oh. And so Sheila would go talk to him and then she would come out and tell everybody, like, this is what the Bhagwan said. I wonder if it ever, I mean, could she have totally said whatever she wanted to? Would it ever have gotten back to him if he never talked to anybody else? Well, I'm pretty sure it would have gotten back to him because he talked to a couple of people regularly. But it wasn't like he would go out and talk to everybody. Because there was like thousands of people that lived in this place. So, like, he wouldn't go out and speak, Mm -hmm. I guess, publicly. Yeah, but he did have a couple of people that were like his his close confidants, and okay. Sheila would be the one that would go out and like this is what he said and so on. Okay. Um. So the Bhagwan was not one of those people that um he. Very much believed in consumerism. Okay. He had, I believe, at the end of all of this, he had 93 Rolls Royces. What? Mm-hmm. Yep. Were they given to him? Some were, yes. <laughs> oh, wait. I can find. Yes, 93 Rolls Royces. He had bought a few, but a lot of them were given to him. Um, he said that a trip in a rolls is a ride in a tranquility that compares with the peace by Buddha. <laughs> so he could use a different car every day for three, four, how many months? Yeah. I mean, this is ridiculous. And, and what he would do is he'd get in his little rolls and he would like drive around during lunchtime. Uh-huh. And people were like supposed to like line up on the sides of the, the road and like wave at him and throw flowers at him. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. He liked to, he liked to ride in his, in his rolls. So yeah. Here's another rolls because you know, the 50 that you have is not enough. That's so not enough. You one. need, you need more. And one of his, Rolls Royces um, was modified. It had bulletproofing panels. Uh, jewels adorned the interior. A TV, VCR, and telephone were installed. Now, this was the 80s, so. VCR. The VCR. Tear gas canisters and gun compartments were thrown in, you know, just in case. <laughs> and then eventually, one of his little cars got the stretch treatment was transformed into a limousine. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, he says that I am I am a man of simple taste. I just like the best. <laughs> and he also had, you know, like diamond uh, Rolexes and that kind of thing. He really liked money. Really, really liked money. Well, at least he was open about it. And oh, it wasn't absolutely. one of those situations where it's like, give up all your possessions, but I'm secretly going to have them all uh-huh. back here. Yeah, and nope. <laughs> no, he was very much... Spend like, all your money. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yep. Um, 
one of the, one of the things that was not mentioned in the documentary that I was reading about was one of the ex-members um, who at some point was just disillusioned with the whole thing while it was still going on. Mm-hmm. You know, once the Bhagwan was becoming more materialistic and so on, I was like, this isn't really the message mm-hmm. that, I, that I came here for. And so she talks a little bit about how she thought that Sheila had poisoned her just because she didn't like her, <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, but she also says that they had a bunch of um, not forced sterilizations, mm-hmm. but coerced sterilizations. Okay. So the Bhagwan Bell children were, were a distraction from the spiritual path. And so, and that the nuclear family was a disease. So he encouraged women to have hysterectomies and men to have uh, bisectomies. So how was he going to grow his congregation or whatever it was called, his community? I don't know. Nobody could procreate there. Yep. So a lot of people had hysterectomies and bisectomies. Um, They weren't, like I said, not forced. Mm-hmm. But definitely, um, people were told that if you want to be on a spiritual path, this was a good thing to do. Um, so they weren't forced. But if they didn't, they were at risk of losing their ashram job or being asked to leave. Wow. So it was definitely coerced. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, the... People on the in the ranch started carrying assault rifles and oh, amassing guns. Um, well, when the nearby town is telling you they're going to shoot you, yeah, you start to like, okay. Um, and the people that they had, there was definitely a lot of people there that were gun experts too. It wasn't just like, okay, well, what what are we going to do? They're like, well, <laughs> this is what we need. And then they practiced every. Day. Like, they did not take this lightly. They weren't like, okay, well, you've never shot a gun. I hope you never have to. They're like, well, now you have to be prepared. Wow. And so, um, the Bhagwan had people with, you know, that were armed all the time wherever he went. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he had been some <laughs> Hindu fundamentalist trying to assassinate him way back when. And um, there was a Roshnishi-owned hotel in Portland that was bombed. In 1983, so it was a clear threat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I don't think at this point anybody knew what they were up to. So it was very much like they just didn't like like them. Mm -hmm. Not for good reason, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's see. Yeah, he was taking a ton of medication at the ranch. And at some point, Sheila was started to get kind of pushed aside. Um, the ex-wife of one of the producers for The Godfather, mm-hmm. who was super rich and very well-connected in Hollywood, mm-hmm. joined the Rajneeshis. Mm-hmm. And so she became very close to him. And so Sheila was starting to get pushed aside. And so Sheila was just like, he's taking a lot of drugs. His, like, 
none of this is making any sense anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was, she was just kind of being pushed aside. So she was like, I'm out. Like, oh. this is, I thought she would have started just... poisoning people. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get her spot back. You know, she's like, nope, I'm out. Okay. And so her and uh, several of her close allies were like, all right, well, if you're leaving, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman that tried to kill the doctor was like, well, you're right. We should leave. <laughs> we should get out. So she leaves without telling anybody, really. Like That's what I was wondering. If they yeah. just let her leave? Yeah. Or they okay. just let her leave. Mainly because I don't think she was like, we're not ever coming back. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, but she leaves. And after she leaves, they tell the Bhagwan that she's gone. He didn't send her anywhere. Uh-huh. And so then he gets super pissed off about it. And so he finally starts coming out and talking, and he's basically talking a lot of smack about Sheila. Uh-oh. <laughs> this was really his downfall. Because there wasn't any reason for gov- the government to go into their little town for for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they can legally own these guns. They legally own these guns. Don't yeah. pick a fight. Everything seems fine. Like, uh-huh. they, you know. But once he starts going on TV... And talking about all the things that Sheila did. On TV. Oh, yeah. He made this very public. Yeah. Okay. You know, that he found out that she was bugging everybody, that she had attempted to kill people, that... And so then then the government was like, now we can go investigate. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, well, maybe you should have kept this in-house, buddy. Yeah. And so he did several interviews where he was, like, tearing Sheila up. Really? And um, there was one when they were, like, when um, some, I don't remember who it was that was interviewing him, had also interviewed Sheila. And he had said something along the lines to the Bhagwan, you know, about how hurt he he was about Sheila leaving. Mm -hmm. And he was just kind of, like, like, basically playing it off, like, I'm not hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, but he was like, but you know what? I'm pretty sure she always wanted to have a sexual relationship with me. And I always make it a point to never have sex with a secretary. Wow. And it's just like, oh, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> just like, I'm not hurt. Exactly. <laughs> no. It's going to manifest this in other ways. Yes. Yeah. I'm not hurt at all. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So this basically opens the door. For them to come investigate and then find mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Um, they can't really pin anything on the Bhagwan, mm-hmm. but they do have enough that they can arrest him. Okay. And so they arrest him. And it takes them three weeks to get them from one place. Because he had taken he had taken off. He was like, well, they're going to arrest me. I'm going to take off. Okay. They had to stop to refuel in like some other state. They arrested him there and it took them three weeks to get him back to Oregon. Why? To make that trip as miserable as possible. So when he finally got back to where they were going to, like, have trial, uh-huh. he was ready to deal. Ah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Which is amazingly ridiculous to me. Yeah. So. Okay, yeah, I'm kind of curious what that trip was all about. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, they eventually get Sheila back um and the, the woman that tried to kill the doctor they they get them all back mm-hmm. um 
the Bhagwan makes a deal and basically he pleads guilty to like immigration fraud. And the immigration fraud that they had was that he instructed several of his followers to leave the leave the town, leave the commune, mm-hmm. go back to their original names, live in some city, doesn't matter, and start a relationship. Like a, you know, here's pictures of us together and all of that, and then they get married. Okay. One of them is not a U.S. citizen. One of them is. Oh. So then they get married. They can prove that they've had a relationship. This person gets gets a legal immigration status. Okay. And so several of them did that. And then afterwards, after they got their immigration status all taken care of, they'd go mm-hmm. back and go back to their original spouses or mates or whatever. Wow. So it was all just a big fraud. Yeah. So the people that were there that were not legally there mm-hmm. could get their immigration status all squared away. Wow. So he pled guilty to that, uh-huh. and he didn't go to prison or anything. They were just like, get out of the United States. We never want to see you again. He's like, peace out. <laughs> <laughs> really? So oh, my he, gosh. He went back to India. Mm-hmm. Um, Sheila was sentenced to a 20-year prison sentence for attempted murder and assault for poisoning the 751. <laughs> 751 <laughs> counts of <laughs> attempted murder. <laughs> You want to know how much time she served? A year. 29 months. Really? Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Yep. The woman that did the attempted murder on the doctor, I think, served more time than that, but it was barely any more time than that. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. And um, so they ended up in different countries. Sheila never went back to the Bhagwan or anything like that. When he went back to uh, India, he changed his name to, and he decided to go a little Japanese on that one, and he went with Oshu. Mm. Okay. Um, he died in 1990, I believe, and Sheila's still around. Sheila's still a firecracker. Um, when the whole thing started with antelope and... Um, the entire organ experiment. Uh-huh. Like, she was all over the place. She was on TV. She was, yeah, she, and she was, she was a firecracker. I was like, I like Sheila. I was like, I shouldn't like Sheila. She's, she did awful things. Uh-huh. I was like, but man. Wow. <laughs> so did she do like commercials or something? No, or? no. Like the people would interview her. Like she'd be on talk shows. Um, some of the people from Antelope that were like against her and they were trying to um, get the government to do something about them, but you know the government was like, "What? Did, what do you want us to do?" Like, yeah, <laughs> they're they're following the rules. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so they were basically just having a tour, you know, going out there and being like, "This is what we're doing. This is why we're here." You know, I don't know why these people are mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like why are you mad? And but yeah, she was. She was hilarious. So what? It, okay, so he died in ninety. Mm-hmm. How old was he in the eighties when they first? He came? was already pretty pretty old. Let's see. He was born in nineteen thirty one. Okay. And died in nineteen ninety. So, 
And what about Sheila? She must have been fairly young then if she's yes. still. Yes. When Sheila, I think, started following him in the 70s, I think she was 16. Ooh. Wow. So. Okay. And he wasn't in the United States. No, no. They started off in India. And then when things got big, Uh they moved to Oregon to start their ranch. And they could fit a bunch of people on there. Wow. One of the funniest things that I saw in this documentary was after they all left, arrested, whatever, mm-hmm. and the rest of the Sinyansas just started to leave the ranch and do whatever. The people from Antelope were, like, super happy about it. I'm like, all 40 of you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but one lady was like, you know, that um, she thinks that it was made clear that there just wasn't room in America for these people. And I'm like, at least 80% of them were Americans. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just mm-hmm. because he was from India uh-huh. doesn't mean that thousands upon thousands of people that were there were not American. Because <laughs> well, they were. Is that what she meant? Or did she mean like the the belief system? Well, and I'm like, oh, most of them were American. So even if it was about the belief system, uh-huh. it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a, bunch of, a bunch of Americans were like, that's it. That's true. Yeah. And they had this one guy on there that was through, on there throughout the entire documentary. And he was a very successful attorney. Mm-hmm. He um, was making like several thousand dollars a year as an attorney. Mm-hmm. Wife, kids, all that. And he was super unhappy with his life. Mm-hmm. And then one day he went to go pick up a friend from the airport and that friend had just come back from India and they had one of the Bhagwan's tapes. Mm-hmm. And so they were playing for him and it was just like blew his mind. And so he was like, <sighs> and so he basically just calls him. He's like, you guys need a lawyer. Wow. And he goes and like, you can tell that I don't think he's still like a part of it. Uh-huh. I was like, but you could see that he is still in it. Like he would still get really emotional when he was talking about the Bhagwan and, Wow. It was. So did he leave his wife and his kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they didn't want the kids there. And his wife probably thought he was nuts. <laughs> his wife probably thought he was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but. Hmm. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yep. So to this day, the cult's still around. So Oshu died on January 19th of 1990. They say he died of heart failure, mm-hmm. but um, it's also suspected that he died of an overdose. Oh. And they weren't going to say that he died of an overdose. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got several remaining communes in Pune, India. Um, following his death, the commune was renamed to the Oshu Institute and then later to the Oshu International Meditation Resort. So, and that place... Holy moly, that place. Like, I looked it up online, uh-huh. and I'm like, this is where they're making all their money still. Yeah. Like, it is super expensive to go. Uh-huh. It looks super cool, though. <laughs> I'm like, man. <laughs> that's um, that's kind of scary. It still attracts as many as 200,000 visitors a year. Wow. The, the followers still continue to spread his beliefs. 
from one of the hundreds of Oshu meditation centers that have opened in major cities across the globe. Do you want to know where they are in Texas? Oh, there's some in Texas. Okay, I think yeah. we should take a field trip. Okay. So there's one in Frisco. Really? Yep. Called the Oshu Information Center, the Divine Shabnam. Um, we have to contact by email or phone first, but I think we should take a little field trip. We could drive by. <laughs> I don't think I want to be subjected to their their, their uh, <laughs> conversations. <laughs> and then there's one in Austin, the Kaifi Meditation Center, the Prem Rajita. And now I couldn't find an actual physical location to the one in Dallas because there's an Oshu Dallas. Mm-hmm. But we could totally take a free online Oshu meditation class called Nowhere to Go But In, which will be January 3rd, Sunday. It's online. It's free, which is astounding Ooh. to me because everything else was not free. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> they so want to get you hooked. Yes. It is at 9 a.m. on a Sunday, which is like the only thing that I'm like... Like, that's the only thing that I see wrong here. I'm like, there's no way I'm getting up that early to, to do that. So, so there's that, getting up early. But then that's like Sunday school and church time. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to, or they're trying to get in on that. Yeah. So there's too. a Dallas, Oshu Dallas Meditation Center, but I couldn't find a, like, physical location for them. All I found was this. So are you going to do it? I don't know. It's kind of early on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> if it was like lunchtime on a Sunday, I might be like, all right, totally here's thanks. a Zoom link. <laughs> I'll see what this is about. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think, Chris? You know, a lot of the times they do a Zoom link and then they give you the recording later. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe one of us needs to register. <laughs> we can watch it later. What day is it? Uh, this one, because they have several, I think, throughout Sunday. Like, it's always on a Sunday. Right. This one, I think, was January 3rd. January 3rd. Man, I don't know. Like, I might be, you know, I'll probably be occupied if I'm going to church. Mm -hmm. That's when usually when we go is the early service. Yeah, and it's but, 9 to 10.30. But even if I even if I'm not there, usually if we're not there, it's because we're sleeping. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> like I'm like I'd have to get up at least twenty minutes before <laughs> just to turn on everything and <laughs> remember how all that works. I mean, I definitely would be curious to to see, <laughs> right? you know, know, just to see. But. It's like I want to go to the meditation center. He my tons of his books and recordings and stuff like that on their website so yeah he's making money all over the place or not him but the organization is mm -hmm. so who are the higher-ups now in the organization well, i don't know okay so how can they still continue i guess because they got on her because of the attempted murders right from what it sounded like they just were like oh that was all sheila and so what so he really didn't have any Consequences? Yeah. No. He was like, plead guilty. We're sending him back to India. Yeah, and it really seemed like that's all they wanted was to get him out of the United States. Uh -huh. Because way later on, after um, 
Sheila and the other woman that tried to kill the doctor uh-huh. have been released from prison. They ended up in different countries. And um, the woman that had tried to kill the doctor, she she had to stay in Germany if she didn't want to like get arrested somewhere else. So her son, at one point... Her, her daughter-in-law called her and told her that her son had a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to go see him, but she couldn't go see him because he lived in Australia. Oh, no. And so if she had gone to Australia, she would have gotten arrested for the attempted murder because that's not what they tried her on. Mm-hmm. And so her and her husband were like, we just, we just got to go deal with this. Mm-hmm. You know, and so she came back to the States, turned herself in, um, went to court, and the judge was like, okay, so you're guilty of this. I'm sen- sentencing you to time served. And that was it. Wow. She was free. Well, it pays to step up and tell the truth. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, it just seemed like. At this point, A, no one cared. Right. The doctor didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> he was still out there doing the exact same thing he was doing before. Probably super rich. Uh-huh. You know. Well, and she was probably clean as far as from mm-hmm. that point forward. She yep. hadn't done anything. And mm-hmm. hmm. so. That's just yep. fascinating. So off to Australia she went. <laughs> yes, and it seemed like her son was, you know, beat whatever it is that he had because they showed uh-huh. pictures of him later. And it, oh, good. Mm-hmm. So he was still around. But, yeah. This is just craziness. And they still, I, I guess I just can't believe that there's that many people. Well, it's not necessarily that they believe in it. But they want to go to the retreats, and it's kind of exclusive, Mm -hmm. and they want to meditate, and I'm sure they are figuring some Indian organization would probably know how to do that well. Um, But do they get sucked into it? That's what makes me wonder. I think so, because if you see pictures of them at the Institute and stuff like that, people are still wearing all the red. Really? Uh Uh-huh. So almost like the red hat society. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to know what happened to the Rolls Royces? <laughs> yes. Does Jay Leno have them all? <laughs> so in 1985, a Texas car dealer bought 84 of the Rolls Royces that had been part of the fleet used by the Bogwan. Um, Robert Roethlisberger of Dallas wouldn't divulge the pr- the purchase price, but early reports indicated he had paid $5 million. Hmm. Wow. Roethlisberg said the cars would be loaded onto a convoy of 12 trucks for a three- to four-day drive to Dallas, and he plans to sell the cars at a two-day auction in February. This was 1985, so all the cars have been sold. Okay. Um, the auction is open to anybody that can afford to buy a Rolls Royce. <laughs> the fleet includes three stretch limousines, one of them armored. 
Wow. Oh, so they did include the armored one? Uh-huh. And is that the same one that had the tear gas and gun compartments? I'm pretty sure it is, yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what happened to the other ten well, or so? Uh, Bogwan managed to buy some of them back. So he ended up with some of those. Okay. Um, and from the sound of it, the cars were sold as part of the general liquidation of assets. Um, he, it sounds like he bought some of those back and his followers continue to buy them. So. Huh. And ship them to India? I don't know what they do with them now. Right. But before. Mm-hmm. Huh. So he ended up with several of them. Again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Amazing how charismatic people are. Mm-hmm. I just uh, one of the things that always that I'm always astounded by is how much of a huge economy there is for things that, like you know, at least from our our perspective, seem like you're not getting anything, but you're not producing anything. Uh-huh. You're just running a scheme, and you're ma- you're operating like millions of dollars or whatever. Yes. And it's just this huge economy. I'm like, geez. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I would like to recommend a book called Talking to Strangers, and I told you about it last week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that talks about interacting with people and believing them mm-hmm. when you shouldn't because they're talking about judges and um, is it Bernie Nadoff? Did I say it right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, his interactions with people and stuff. But they, they talked about this one judge who um, they want to see people and they want to see their expressions mm-hmm. because it, they feel like they, get, they know them better even though they don't. Mm-hmm. And then they had a computer kind of rate these people on whether or not they should go on probation or whatever. And the computer was like 90% right on whether or not they should be released. Mm -hmm. And the judges were like less than 50 or something like that. I mean, it was just crazy, the fact that you can't really judge somebody Mm -hmm. by looking at them. And I guess that kind of falls into this situation Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that reminds me of the whole um, Allison Mack thing, mm-hmm. you know, where she was, like, all guilt-ridden and crying yeah. and all apologetic and stuff, and it's just, like, she's an actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. You know, like, only she knows how guilty she actually feels about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you can get up there and be crying and, oh, I did a horrible thing and I'm so sorry and I'll never do it again. And mm-hmm. they're just like, aww. Poor little blonde girl. Right. So one of the, the things that they did is they talk about friends and this one episode where, and they just talk about their facial features and they, they've done this study mm-hmm. where they label different parts of your face mm-hmm. when you're doing different things to make, you know, whether you're happy or sad or angry yeah. and all this stuff. And um, so, yeah, actors and actresses really get mm-hmm. that down and they get you to believe them <laughs> by yeah. doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Yep. Hmm. Well, mm-hmm. so he's he's no longer. Sheila's not in it. Nope. And the lady who almost murdered the doctor is free. Yeah. That burden has been lifted from her. Mm-hmm. Huh. And everybody else continues to make money. Yeah. <laughs> and there's still th- hundreds of thousands of people that are still following this meditation center. And sex guru. <laughs> well, I mean, he's dead now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But good. I'm sure that that's probably part of their philosophy. Oh, I'm sure it's still there. Yeah. Can't just discount all of his earlier teachings. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't know. I mean, I know that was started at a different time. You know, it was before the internet was as ubiquitous as it is now. Uh-huh. And we could just look up everything. But still, I don't know. My first inclination, if I was going to be interested in something like like that, like say, like, oh, you know, I, I need a, I, I think I'm looking for a new, a new world worldview, and I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna do meditation. I would probably start with something, you know, what's what's traditional, you know, like Buddhism uh-huh. or, or or Zen or you know, some something like that, not some amalgamation that somebody. Somebody made made up, you know. And I'd be like, you know, this sounds questionable. I I think I would I think I would question that, but I don't know. I mean, well, and think about different okay, minds. The, the lawyer, he went to go pick up a friend from the airport, and his friend's like, "Holy crap! Like, I just went and saw this guru, and he like totally like you need to listen to this." He listened to a tape and was like. This is what I've been missing my whole life. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. just like, what? <laughs> well, yeah, and it makes you wonder what they said that is so intriguing mm-hmm. and captures their attention, I guess. So one of the, the ladies that was in the cult, Satya Franklin, um, she had left the, left the cult with her husband. Um, she was born in suburban New York. Her name was Jill. But, you know, when she joined the cult, she got renamed to Satya. Um, she talks about, let's see. So she was active in the anti-war and civil rights movements in the early 70s. She worked as a speechwriter for Shirley Anita Chisholm, the first African-American woman elected to Congress. Hmm. She, um, between the ages of 19 and 24, she had three children with her first husband, who she divorced. Um, her husband is also an ex-Rajneeshi, and they live in Rhode Island. She says that she was first attracted to the teachings of the Bhagwan when she read a cheesy, and this is like she said, a cheesy pamphlet a friend in her meditation class brought back after meeting the guru in India. She came back totally transformed, and I was struck by her transition. So his teachings offered the promise of respite from the rigors of life. I don't even know what that means. Right? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) And she says, I was an intellectual and viewed the world through my mind and needed to get in touch with my inner self. And that's what his meditation technique allowed me to do. 
she says that the words that resonated most deeply with her were, you are frozen like ice, and I want to melt you. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> huh. So it, it almost sounds like, obviously there were a lot of people that believed in this that didn't live in the compound or, uh-huh. or on this, well, in this community. Like when she got that pamphlet and all that transformed her life, uh-huh. she was like, bye y'all. And then went to India and, you know, Oregon and all that. Like, just, we're just going to leave everybody. I mean, I could understand like, maybe you find something that really is beneficial mm-hmm. to you and, and helps you to maybe relax or do whatever, but then to buy into the rest of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then to just be like, I'm leaving everything behind, including my children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she is no longer a Roshnishi, though she says the meditation techniques she learned from Bhagwan have helped her maintain her very passionate relationship with her husband. And eased her pain when her son was viciously murdered by a stranger. Aww. So even to this day, even though she's like, she was disillusioned with him when he was like, check out all my Rolls Royces and my diamond Rolex. Yes. You know, and she was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she still goes back to his techniques. Uh huh. You know, it's just like still in there somewhere yeah you know mm-hmm. even though she's like oh, i don't really do like i don't i'm not a roshnishi anymore and i don't really follow that anymore but yet she kind of does when things get tough and awful she still goes back to that wow hmm. see now i want to go to that class <laughs> <laughs> we need to take a field trip to frisco <laughs> I'm fascinated. I mean, I know, right? It's just like, this is. Especially now because I don't want to say meditation, but like the yoga and getting in touch with yourself, I guess. Mindfulness. Mindfulness. There you go. Is really getting big and the Mm -hmm. self care and everything. So, um, oh, yeah. I can definitely see why this is still huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's no ladies trying to poison people to vote yeah. for them. To, <laughs> to keep them from going to vote. <laughs> right. It seem, seems kind of mild compared to some of the other ones we talked about. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Some crazy stuff happened, but it wasn't... I was just like, he had 93 Rolls Royces. I need to talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yes. At least they got all the, the, the weapons and stuff to defend themselves, not because they were planning to do something terrible. Right. You know? Yeah, because it wasn't like, okay, well, we're going to go. I mean, it was like antagonistic, antagonistic, antagonistic against them. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, well, we're going to have to be prepared because, you know, yeah, people are obviously not. Well, okay st- with us just being here they started their own town i mean yeah they started their own town and i'm just like was it really it was impressive i was like that's that's impressive because it wasn't just like okay well it took us 10 years to make this town it was like you know what we should make a town right here yeah <laughs> bam town <laughs> you know i was like wow okay <laughs> yeah so does the town still exists i don't think so no no what happened to the town was that 
some other billionaire bought it and then turned it into a Christian youth resort. Really? So the whole town? The Antelope? No, not Antelope. I was wondering that too. There. The town that they had built? Oh, the other one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was like you went from the Roshnishis to Christian youth. Yeah. (laughs) That could be problematic too. Yep. I was like, granted, it's probably better neighbors. But yes. <laughs> so it was like one, re- one sort of religious extreme. But, yeah. Okay, so as- aside from Sheila trying to kill a bunch of people mm-hmm. uh, and the doctor, I mean, it sounds like they were a p- pretty peaceful group and they contributed to their town and their community and they, you know, did a lot of stuff. So... I don't know if they would have been the the new neighbors are really that much better than what they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than you know Sheila <laughs> 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 and everything, all the <laughs> everything other than Sheila, <laughs> right? <laughs> and all the the loud going ons, really. Oh yes, that's right. So <laughs> yeah, because it's so it was like. Is here. The concerns of Antelope's conservative residents who fear their new neighbors believes in free love, rejection of the nuclear family, and the speed with which they built their city. So basically they were like They built a city when? How? What? Yeah. (laughs) We've been here for how long? And Uh now you just did what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the rural community, I can see that being a really big deal, too. Mm -hmm. They're very proud people, I guess. I mean, I would, you know, think that. So. Mm -hmm. I think eventually she still would have been like, we're going to buy that town. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Whether they were antagonistic or not, I think at some point she would have just been like, why not? Yeah, especially you know. if the homes are being foreclosed on. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were probably purchased for next to nothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you especially know. because they'd been, you know, up on the market forever, mm-hmm. you know? So it was like, there's a reason that there was only 40 people in this town. Yes. Which I'm, I'm like, if you need 150 people to start a town, can they still be a town <laughs> with only 40? <laughs> what, only 40 are left? I, they should, I was like, maybe that's the legal route they should have taken. <laughs> you know what? You're not a town anymore. <laughs> that's really funny that's a good good point so i'm trying to think you know you go from a town to a city right Mm -hmm. i mean you have to have a certain number of people to move from a town to a A city city, yeah so is what is less than a town just a community (laughs) i don't even know (laughs) i don't know Township, a village, <laughs> a village, a village yeah. maybe. I don't, I don't know that that's an official uh, American term. Yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. just, I don't know that that's on any like the legal stuff. Like, oh, well, you're not a town, but you're a village. You're a village now. Yeah, you've just been downgraded. Yep, it's fascinating. Yeah. How did you find this? Because you were watching the documentary? Is that- no, I saw an episode of Forensic Files about this forever ago because of the the bioterrorism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know when she had people poison a bunch of restaurants with salmonella mm-hmm. and like people had to figure out 
what happened. Mm-hmm. So a lot of scientists and stuff went to the area to try to figure out because 750 people suddenly had food poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, was there salmonella in like the food? You know, like whenever we have recall on lettuce or something like that, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, was it something that was shipped to them that could potentially poison other people in the country? So. Yeah, especially since um, it was more than one restaurant that uh-huh. people were getting sick from. Yep. Sheila, Sheila. I know. <laughs> so what is Sheila doing now? Is she working? Uh, I think so. I think she was working with the elderly. <laughs> okay. Be very cautious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think I think Sheila did what she did because she was told to do what she did. Uh, Even though they couldn't really pin it on the Bhagwan. Uh-huh. Maybe not necessarily in the sense of go poison people. Yeah. But we need to win this election or something along those lines. And that's You me. do what you need to do. and Yeah. Because it also didn't sound like she was trying to kill people. Mm-hmm. Like, it sounded more like she just wanted to make them sick so they couldn't go vote. Yeah. So an early voting has gotten a lot bigger, hasn't it? Yes. Than it used to be? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So back then it was like mainly the day. Yes. Yeah. So she poisoned the places a couple of days before and you were too sick to go vote. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, not a terrible plan. I mean, it was a terrible (laughs) plan. I mean. (laughs) Yeah. It's just really fascinating to me how people can come up with stuff like that to solve their problem. Yeah. You know, how can we get people to not vote? To not go vote. You know, they didn't call on the snow gods or whatever. Yep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> to keep them at home. <laughs> it was very interesting. And the documentary helped. Yeah. Well, and so I think it was very sympathetic to what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. But it still wasn't like they were right. But it was, it definitely painted the, the small town of Antelope like they've started this fight. Okay. So that makes me think that you said the wife of the producer of The Godfather? Uh-huh. So that means that people in the movie industry were in this organization. At least one very vocal, yeah. So the people who did the documentary could very well be associated. Could be. With this group. I think that would have come out already. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Could be. You never know. Why did they decide to do it? Mm-hmm. Is it and it's new? I'm saying um, the documentary. I think it came out a couple of years ago. Okay, but not in the 80s or no, no, 90s. Right mm-hmm. after this all no. happened. No, okay. Sheila is definitely a you know tiny little elderly woman, and everybody that's talking is, has obviously aged. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. All right. You said it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's called Wild Wild Country. All right. Yep. And the episode of Forensic Files was called Bio Attack. Okay. And I'm sure there's several books. I mean, not just Oshu's books, but books from ex-people. Yeah. Yes. The Promise of Paradise, A Woman's Intimate Story of the Perils of Life with Rajneesh by Satya Franklin. It's available on Amazon and eBay. Hmm. 
Also, that's the longest title ever. <laughs> like, all right. Well, is there any other information you want to share? You're just burning to share. <laughs> no, nope, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so next time, it'll be me. Yep. And right now, I don't remember which cult I'm talking about, but. I was like, the Ant Hill Gang? Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to have to go back to the first podcast and figure out what it was. Ant Hill Gang, all right. Yeah, I think I remember that now. <laughs> Just need a little refresher. But, yeah. Great. So, I mean, yes, yes, there wasn't a whole bunch of murder, but. Sure. It was still very interesting. And if you're really curious, then we have resources for you to. <laughs> And, and, so visit and view yourself if you feel so inclined. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's that's the end. That's it. Yes. All right. Well, this has been. Do we like murder? Thanks for listening. <laughs>